This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another Manly Musings podcast. I'm your host, Craig Cottle, for the Survival Show podcast. Golly, man, I have had the most fantastic, bountiful, wonderful, successful deer season this year, and, I, well, I've just got to, just got to share some things about it with you, so we're going to do that in three parts. First part, what we're going to be going over is why it's probably a good thing to hunt, I'm having an incredible amount of people contact me about learning how to hunt. So what I thought I'd do is share some reasons for hunting and go over that in part one. Part two, what I want to do is share with you some hunting stories just uh, you know, somewhat entertain you. And part three, for those of you who like to eat, is that you? Do you like to eat? Then I'm going to share some of my most favorite venison recipes and how we fix it at the house and all the things that we go about doing with it. So, yeah, thanks for joining me here for the Manly Musings podcast. It's going to be in three parts. But before we get into that, I want to talk about the show's sponsor today. And could we have a more special sponsor? No, I don't think so, because the sponsor for this podcast is tinysurvival.com. You've been hearing about us talk about it. David has put a tremendous amount of work into tinysurvival.com. And the reason, the main reason is this reason. Are you interested in staying alive? Yep. Yep. I'm pretty sure you are. So, uh, what David's done is he's developed a system where everybody can have an every everyday carry system on you at all times. I mean, all the time, every day, every day, EDC, very simple micro survival kits. And it's basically going to be your first line of defense against, you know, mishap car breaks down, you get lost on a hike, um, tornado comes through your town, earthquake, whatever it might be. So at tinysurvival.com, check it out, tinysurvival.com, you can go over there and build your own wallet or pocket carry EDC system. That way you can customize it for your needs. You go step by step. There's a build your kit tool where you go through and you basically just, hey, it's like having a little hodgepodge of stuff and you pick a little of this, you pick a little of that, put it in there. And just for Manly Musings listeners, you can get 10% off on your build kits over $49. So check it out, Manly10. Just use the discount code Manly10. You'll get 10% off. So all you need to do is just select the items you want in your kit, pick your container to hold it all in, and bam! You got a custom kit, components, be shipped to your door for your ultimate EDC pocket survival kit. Yeah, ultimate. You like that word ultimate, don't you? Ultimate survival tips, ultimate wilderness gear, ultimate pocket survival kit. Yeah, it's a good word. Basically, what you'll end up having is a lightweight, compact, and life-saving everyday carry kit that contains the essential tools and resources you need to make it through an unexpected survival situation, including items for, check these out. Man, he's done a good job with this. First aid, fire, water, food, navigation, gear repair, self-defense, mindset, skills, tactics, and gears. that sound familiar? Yeah, it does. All size to fit in your, your pocket. So 
Hey, and don't forget the tiny survive guides that I helped develop with David. They're available there, so pick those up. You can pick some up in bulk for stocking stuffers, too. Uh, save a little money there. And, once again, you're going to save a little extra money by using the code MANLY10. MANLY10 at checkout. And you'll save 10% on Tiny Guide and Card 5 and 10 Picks. Every USA order over $49 ships for free. So check that out. This Christmas, give yourself and your friends and loved ones peace of mind with Tiny Survival Guide, with tiny survival guide and gear. So Joe, go. So go check out tinysurvival.com and use code MANLY10 to save 10% on stocking stuff for bulk packs of guides and cards. Once again, tinysurvival.com. Now, let's get into some hunting. So yeah, the the there's almost what would be best referred to as a hunter's paradox in that most hunters, not all, but most hunters actually love the things that they kill and i've seen a ton of hunters that put a lot of time energy and money into quality deer management not to believe that that's true and hunters invest a considerable amount of money in sporting goods and this is one of the things that i love talking about that a lot of people just don't know do the pittman robertson act i think it was 1937 Basically, when you buy, let's say for here us for us here in Kentucky, it's going to be similar to you in other states, is that when you buy a hunter license or permit or something of that nature, Pittman-Robertson will give that state matching funds. And I can't remember if it's one for one. I can't remember exactly what it is. But it's basically those funds go to conservation efforts in that particular state. So it behooves fish and wildlife departments, fish and game agencies throughout the country to sell permits and hunting licenses. So if you're a hunter and you're, you know, doing things behind the scenes and you're killing animals um, without having a hunting license or a deer permit or something of that nature, then basically you're robbing the state of certain amount of conservation money. And I know it's a, a it is a, it's a paradox as well, isn't it? That we've got to do what we can to invest our time, energy, and money into conservation efforts at, efforts and that includes you know being part of um, wild turkey federations rocky mountain elf foundation whitetail deer hunting federations and stuff of that nature um one organization that i recently joined is backhunter anglers and hunters backcountry hunters and anglers uh as far as i know it's a rather new organization in comparison to other conservation stewardship minded efforts but and, and, I, and i don't have a lot of info on them i'm just trying to learn what the local group's doing i don't know what the overall organizational development is and what they seek out and what they focus their attention on uh, but it's it's one way that we can be involved in doing conservation efforts now um you know i don't know how else to say it but i feel a pretty deep kinship with the animals that i hunt you know most hunters do it's it's again it's a paradox really and the reason for that is we get to know them far deeper than all but a few other sorts of human. I mean, for example, you know, if you sit in a deer stand and you see certain deer come by or due to modern technology, a lot of people put cameras out these days and you get to see these deer come. Some people do it all year long and watch and, and keep tabs on and, and 
I'm not a big fan of this, but the people develop hit lists and they know, hey, this is a deer I'm going after and stuff of that nature. And, you know, I, I sort of get that from a conservation effort. I'm, I'm not a big fan of trophy hunting, although I'm totally for you doing trophy hunting if that's you. It's just not my way of doing things. But, you know, we get to know these deer. Uh, for example, I put a camera out in front of my deer stand this year for the first time ever. And there was a deer that uh, came through there at a certain time of day every single day within 15 minutes and uh, during the open morning of I mean unfortunately it was coming through before uh, before the sun came up so it's you know it's not a huntable deer for me out of that stand uh, what I'd hoped to do it was a, it was a fairly nice buck and what I'd hoped to do is when it goes by me and went to bed down that I might be able to call it in with a grunt call or, or rattling antlers or something of that nature and I just never could. But I ended up, fortunately, I was able to harvest a, a really nice doe this year. And my son was able to harvest three deer. My dad was uh, able to harvest two. So, yeah, I mean, we've had a, we had a, the Cottle Boys had a fantastic year deer hunting. But one of the things that came out of it is that by watching the video uh, from my camera, I was able to see uh this raccoon, I saw what turned, I don't know what it was. I saw the very back end for about half a second of an ammo. And I quite frankly, and I spent a lot of time outdoors, have no idea what this thing was. Uh, just I'm looking at it going, man, I don't know what that is. And uh, saw the deer and the way they interacted with one another as, you know, when the rut started and how the bucks were acting a little bit differently, the time changed and how they went through the area was very interesting. And, just compound that by when you finally get in the deer stand or you get in your deer blind and you're sitting there and I, and I've stalk hunted before too. I used to do that quite a bit with my stick bow, but with, uh, with good success as well. But I've gotten to the point where I really like just sitting there and almost in a meditative state, if you will, and just taking in the woods as best I can and trying to know a place really, really well. Uh, I talk about that often. How, when people get to know a place, they're not tourists anymore. They know it. They're familiar with it. They're, they are uh, one with it, if you will. And it's one of those things that benefits us by getting out. So um, one of the things that comes about in the discussion, it should come about in the discussion of hunting, is that you know I get a great uh, opportunity to teach others about being outdoor through blogs and videos and online education and hands-on classes and any number of things. Um, so... One of the questions that comes up is, should we be hunting in a modern time? Well, we can just go to the grocery store and pick up beef. And when it comes down to it, you know, by the time you, a lot of people pay a hunting lease, uh, get a rifle, pay for ammunition, spend the time doing drive to and from a hunting camp and all the things along with it, you probably get beef from your local Walmart cheaper, right? Now, let's talk about some things that that's a problem in my mind is that I can I can certainly agree that hunting is a controversial topic for people in today's modern age, but I can only speak me personally. I can only speak from my experience and mindset, and I certainly do not want to pretend to tell others what they should do. I just want to try to share with you what it is that is my perspective on it. For me, hunting is literally in my blood. It's my family history. It's my lineage. It's who I am. It's in me. It's part of me. And it's something that is just going to happen. I mean, it has to happen. Uh, going to the deer camp, hanging out with family, hanging out with, 
you know, my friends that I usually only see during deer season kind of thing. It's really hard to explain at times. Uh, it's, it's never been a decision to me as to whether I might go hunting or not. I mean, I'm going hunting. I mean, it's just one of those things. It's not a casual lifestyle either. It's not a hobby for me. Uh, quite frankly, for me, it is something that I have to do. Uh, it's just, I have to, it's just part of me. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now, there's obviously some things outside of my own experience that prove that hunting is beneficial. The conservation and stewardship of natural resources is at the forefront of that. Without hunters and biologists and researchers doing what it is that they do and all of us working in concert together, the certain uh, the the different wildlife species that surround us would not thrive as well as they did. You know, man on its own, we came in, particularly when the Europeans came in and came across the continent, we just destroyed a lot of wildlife species and nearly made some of them go extinct and some of them we did make go extinct. And we can lament the fact that we did that and just feel sick at ourselves, or we can actually do something about it. And so what happened was that a lot of effort was put into the research of wildlife biology and the study of it and game management and all the things that go along with it. And now, you know, when my dad, I'm 50 years old, and my dad, when he was a young man, he would go, he went deer hunting for 12 years and never saw but one deer. And maybe that's because he wasn't a very good hunter at that time. And, but uh, maybe it was because there just wasn't that many deer around and there weren't. And, I mean, when he was a kid, deer season became a thing for the first time. Think about that. I mean, it's not that long ago, you all. It's way less than 100 years ago. You know, when I was a kid, seeing a wild turkey wasn't a real common thing. And now we have a plethora of wild turkey. My, I took my daughter when she was a kid to the introduction of elk, the release of the first elk in Kentucky. Now we've got a huntable population of elk in Kentucky. And bears are the same way. You know, a lot of bears have been dropped off in Western West Virginia and a lot of those in, in Virginia and a lot of those bears naturally have come over into Kentucky. Now we have a huntable bear population in Kentucky and all that is due to sound game management research from wildlife biologists, as well as them working in concert with hunters. For example, we've killed over a hundred thousand deer here in Kentucky this year. Hunters have. And if we didn't kill those 100,000 deer, well, those 100,000 deer would be here and they would multiply next year. And then we'd have an overpopulation issue really quickly. And so that's when the diseases that happen from overpopulation get in and wipe out an entire herd. And so, you know, good management practices along with good hunting practices are an important aspect of, of why we should hunt. Another one is that's important for us to understand about hunting and why it's good and why it's important is that it provides food for the table. It's the going to be the most clean and lean protein source available today. It's one issue that comes up when you're uh, process or not when you're processing, but when you're cooking deer meat is that it doesn't have the fat that you're used to when you're cooking 
uh, beef or pork or something of that nature, chicken. But it's so lean, if you learn how to cook it properly, then you've got that fantastic good lean meat source that you don't have to go to the grocery store and pay, you know, twice the twice the fees for just to get, you know, organic lean uh, beef or something of that nature. You've got it with deer meat. It's fantastic. So um, another question that begs to be asked is why be, uh, you know, a hunter in modern times? I mean, when you, again, go just go to the grocery store, go to a restaurant and, and buy your meat. And here's something that a lot of this boils down to, and this is going to hurt some feelings of people that are, pita oriented or just love the wildlife oriented and stuff of that nature is that every one of us on earth right now, every single person on earth are descendants of those who were hunter gatherer peoples. Every one of us. It doesn't matter if you're the president of PETA. It doesn't matter if you're a good old redneck farm boy deer hunter here in Kentucky. It doesn't matter if you're a um, wall street executive in New York city or you're a pothead out in California, you descended from meat eaters. You descended from hunter-gatherers. And we could go into the benefits and what, you know, some anthropologists believe to be one of the keys to our uh, growth and, and basically exponential growth as a species. And that might very well be our ability to hunt and gather and particularly adding in meat as a food source into our diet and, and the development that that helped in our brain structure. So that's a, man, that's a podcast for another day. But for some of us, you know, the desire to hunt is still strong. It's, it's stronger than it's ever been in my life. And as I, there were times back when I was a young man that I was a deer killer. You know, I could have been a contract killer if you want. I mean, just, hey, I need some deer. Well, how many do you need? I need 20. Well, I could go get them. Not that I did. That's illegal. But but I could. I mean, I was, I mean, I was death, you know, behind, behind a bow and behind a rifle. And now, you know, I'm more op- obviously what I would consider more mature. Uh, and that's been my walk. That's my season of life. It might not necessarily be yours. A lot of people still are just, hey, I want to kill deer, you know, kind of thing. But I'm more conservation stewardship minded than anything. And that desire is just growing in me to be more of that mindset. So um, one of the things that comes along with this that as a hunter that you should should consider for sure is there's there's a lot of things that go into hunting that you should be aware of. You know, there's a huge investment of time and study that goes into hunting, as well as money. And you can use borrowed weapons and camouflage and all that stuff, and you don't have to buy into all the, hey, scent blocker camouflage and all that crap. I've I've been there, done that, and I've killed a bunch of deer. Like this year, I, I didn't wear any scent block. I didn't have any cover scent. I didn't do any of that stuff. And I had deer all over me all year long because I'm a tracker. I'm a hunter. I know how to find deer. But... You know, one of the things that brings about in hunting, and I heard Donnie Vincent say something along these lines. Donnie Vincent is one of these guys that is a modern hunter but has some fantastic videography skills as well. And that is and that is that he said it this way, and I would agree with him wholeheartedly. I personally, I want to experience fantastic things in my life. 
And I'm in a position where I'm not the type to go spend several thousand dollars to go on a vacation to some exotic place in the world. And again, I'm not knocking anybody that does that. It's just not me. It's just not who I am. I want, but I, I do, much like many people, I want to experience fantastic things. Sometimes that fantastic thing is just sitting in the backyard looking at an anthill in the yard and watching how they work. That's fantastic to me. But hunting provides some really interesting opportunities to go to fantastic places and to see fantastic things. Now, there's too many of these things that that I could bring up to tell you, and I'll tell you some of these stories tomorrow. But uh, I've had bobcats that have crossed my legs in the dark. I've had one that jumped and landed on my head to try to take my hat off. I've had songbirds that have landed on my knees while leaning against a tree. As I had one one time, I was leaned up against a tree, had my rifle on my shoulder on a sling, and a bird landed on that sling on my shoulder. And it was one of those things that was really surreal more than anything else in that I turned and looked at it, and you know when it's going to scare it off, and it didn't. It just kind of looked at me, and I could still see that bird right now. I mean, just it was pretty fantastic. Now, I've watched a mother raccoon uh, come from a den tree with little babies in tow, like a bunch of them. It looked like a little train of raccoons. I've had an owl brush its wing against my face. I talked about that in a podcast recently. That flew by me in the dark. Uh, I've I've watched a white-tailed deer nurse triplet fawns. I've seen deer lock horns and in mock battle, and I've watched a deer lay right in front of me and chew its cud. You know, ten feet from me. I've sit and watched this. And had it not been for spending hours and hours and hours of time afield hunting. More often than not, I probably would not have experienced these things. Now, anybody can go outdoors and experience these things. Don't get me wrong. But it was hunting that took me personally out to do those things. I went out hunting, and these other things were just side stories that happened. So, yeah, that's that's it. Uh, those, those are some reasons for you to consider hunting. Uh, what I'm going to be doing in Part 2 is going into some more in-depth hunting stories and share that with you and see what it how it how you handle that and then uh, we'll be back in part three with some of my most favorite ways of cooking venison because for me i'm a meat eater i i hunt to put meat in the freezer so uh, i love sharing that with you so don't forget our sponsor tinysurvival.com manly 10 tiny survival tiny survival dot com manly 10 is the discount code one more time tinysurvival.com manly 10 is the discount code go check it out man david has done a fantastic job with that website as always with us here at the survival show podcast keep it simple be positive and stay sharp 